Hey everyone, this is Erin Harrigan, the Hustle with Heart Coach, welcoming you to the podcast that helps entrepreneurs align results with God's truth. My mission is to free you from the struggle of how to bridge faith and business as a God-centered entrepreneur and to equip you to pursue success God's way. When that happens, we experience the joy of building a fruitful business that honors Him and serves His people. So let's get started. Welcome back to the podcast. I am so thrilled because by the time you listen to this, it will be the day before the book is available to order in paperback. So I am recording this and you're listening to it hopefully on March 30th, 2020 and March 31st, 2020 is order day. So hopefully you've been following along with my social media and sharing some insights and quotes and endorsements for the book. But today on this episode, I want to give you a really special treat, and that is to read a chapter from the book. And depending on how this goes, maybe the next few weeks of our episodes, other than our Hustle with Heart interview series, I will record another chapter or two. So this is from chapter three in part one of Pursuing Success God's Way, A Practical Guide to Hustle with Heart. Chapter three, God first, me last. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 20 verse one and through three. Often as entrepreneurs, we put a lot of other things ahead of God. Think about it. We make our to-do lists and we're trained to put the most important things at the top. But where is God? Is he number one on the list? It took me a long time to figure out that putting him first makes everything else fall perfectly into place. Giving him rightful ownership of the number one spot above all else is the foundation of all we do. It was so important God made it the first commandment, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. This commandment means we are to desire nothing else but Him because we need Him above all. He expects that no other gods will be worshipped alongside or in addition to Him. It is His design for us. He made us to need Him and lean into Him. As entrepreneurs, the goals we set, the vision we have, the work that we do, everything— starts and finishes Alpha to Omega with our Lord. Easy? No. But let's think about it this way. What on earth would we put before God? Well, as author Lisa Turkhurst said in a 2019 social media post, whatever we chase, like it or not, gains our full attention. I know. Ouch, right? Good thing His mercies are fresh every day because we sure do need them. Seek him first. In Matthew 6.33, Jesus reinforces that first commandment with his clear instruction, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. All those things are the everyday things God knows we need, and he provides, yet we waste time trying to obtain. While Jesus said it, I believe it, and that settles it, The world is really good at making this instruction fit what we want it to mean. 
So if I ask him first, he'll give me all those worldly things I want? The answer is no. Jesus isn't talking about wealth or stuff. This isn't a put it out there in the universe and it'll come to you thing. It is fully about abiding in the vine, seeking his way, and the vine providing all we need. It is how we are called to live. It is how we are called to do business, to put nothing ahead of him. Because if we don't seek him first, we're going to get lost and distracted without a plan, like traveling without a GPS. Lost and distracted is where the enemy wants us. And we cannot do effective work for the kingdom if we are distracted, discontent, and doubtful. This instruction is not conditional. It does not say, if you seek me first, then I will give you all of this stuff. It is an unconditional promise. Jesus is reminding us that there is nothing we need beyond what the Lord can give us, even if we think there has to be more because we see and hear the more mantras, such as, there's so much more. Don't settle. Go after it. You deserve more. You're made for more. The distinction is this. We're made for God's more. We're called to live all out in full devotion to Him. That is not the same as the more mantras. When we seek Him first to be the center of our business, it means we are delighting ourselves in Him. When we do that, He puts the desires in our hearts that align to His purpose. Psalm 37, 4. Our business is one way He gives us to live out His desires. Seeking is Jesus' call to action. It's not sitting idly by to see what God will give us. Seeking requires movement. We seek by getting into the Word and being in prayer. We seek by showing up every day and letting the Holy Spirit empower and equip us to do the work that God has given us to do. Seeking is the action we take first and foremost every day. It is putting our faith into action because only in action does faith work in our lives and enable us to impact the lives of others. Aside from the promise Jesus gives us, why else do we want to seek Him? I mean, we've got our business plan, our system, and our laser-focused to-do list. Shouldn't we handle this on our own instead of bother God with it? I don't know about you, but left to my own devices, I'm easily distracted on the best of days. Squirrel! Let alone on a stormy day of mind trash or during a strong gust of the wind of rejection. I need an anchor to keep me focused, weighted to withstand the storm and the wind. I need nourishment from the vine, and that enables me to yield fruit that doesn't allow me to wither. Seeking is not about doing enough to check a box. As it says in Jeremiah 29:13, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. This means not letting anything get ahead of seeking him. First, not our business goals our daily income-producing activities, or even our family. It doesn't matter if you carve out 5 minutes or 30 minutes. Protect the time you spend seeking. I promise you there will be time, more than enough time, in your day to do the work that needs to be done after you spend time with Him. The work, the system, the steps to take all provide a great practical roadmap, and His instruction is to lay it all at the foot of the cross and seek Him to guide us along that map. It might be simple prayers like, Lord, where do you want me to go with this roadmap? Whom can I serve today? How does this fit into your purpose for my business? 
For me, it's a simple prayer. Lord, use me today and help me find one more I can serve. Seek him first and listen for his voice. I promise when you seek him first and ask in accordance with his will, he will show you the right next step to take. Matthew 7, verses 7 and 8. When he's given you the direction, the next right step is obedience. Seek, listen, then obey. Show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Lead me in your truth and teach me. For you are the God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Psalms 25, verses 4 and 5, New King James Version. Dr. Stanley comments on Jeremiah 29, 13. What do you mean when we say we are seeking the Lord? It does not mean that we're seeking something from Him, but rather we want to know Him. Do you really want to know the Lord and His plans for your life? If necessary, God will move heaven and earth to show you His will. Therefore, seek Him and obey whatever He tells you to do, for you will find Him and your obedience will surely bring blessing. The actions are simple. Seek, listen, and then obey. We commit to obeying Him, knowing that the Lord knows how to best lead us no matter what happens. It all starts with us laying our will on the altar at the foot of the cross and letting Him guide us in moving forward. When we do this, we begin to discover how awesome it is to live in the center of His will because it is life at its very best, and there is nothing in this world that compares to it. Sounds amazing, right? Yet our human desire for our will, our way, holds us back, thinking we can do this better than God. I used to think I shouldn't bother him with this business stuff because he's got bigger things to handle. And besides, I know exactly what action to take. That's when I find myself running ahead of him and getting off track, drifting. From what I've learned on my Hustle With Heart journey, I can tell when I'm out ahead of him because I see business slow down, my peace and joy are compromised, and I feel lost. See if you too can connect those moments to being off track. When we stop trying to be God and stop turning our businesses into little gods and let him do what he does best, we experience the peace that surpasses understanding, as Paul tells us in Philippians 4.7. Our surrender and acts of obedience remove the blockages between us as the branch and him as the vine, and supernatural nourishment begins to flow again. To reiterate, we see connections made, new opportunities arise, doors open. Obedience is not saying, Lord, listen, here's what I want to do and what I want to accomplish. I'm going to tell you what I want you to bless, and you can show me how to make all that happen, and I'll do what you say. Instead, it sounds like, Lord, here's what I believe you want me to do, but I want to be all in for your will. Show me how to become the person you've made me to be and what you want me to accomplish, and I'll do what you say no matter what. Seek and listen. Be still and know. Obey him and leave the consequences to him. He promises to never leave us nor forsake us. He is steadfast and is always hearing us. Psalm 9:10 tells us those who know his name put their trust in him because he has not forsaken us and he never will. Will we have challenges? Yes. Jesus tells us we will have trouble in this world. We'll learn more about overcoming trouble in chapter 6. Let me be clear, the pursuit of success God's way is the most challenging thing you may ever do as an entrepreneur because it's charging uphill against what the world tells us about success. 
Some people are not going to join you on this ride, and that's okay. Some people are going to wish you were who you used to be, and that's okay. When you're working for Christ, that's your focus. Putting Him first requires us to redefine how we see Him and His work. Let's focus there next. God is God, and we are not. As humans, we crave logic and the comfort of routine. We want things to make sense and fit together in neat and clean ways. I don't know about you, but I spend a lot of time looking at things that happen in my life, trying to connect the dots and find meaning. We make plans, designate which path we want to travel, and in many businesses, we're taught a logical path or system to make it happen. The system gives us guardrails. Personally, I like that because I want to control as much as I can on my own. However, since accepting Christ and embracing this Hustle with Heart journey, I've noticed that God breaks those rules to show me there's more to life than what I can see without His vision. There are other ways of doing things which may not appear logical at first, and often what He does doesn't make a lot of sense to me at first. But He breaks down our logic so we can have more of Him. Our intellect, our need to understand everything, blocks the flow from the vine to our branch, like a blockage in a heart valve. It hinders His work. If only we would accept that life in Christ won't always make sense to us, it would be easier to learn those hard lessons. As you begin to follow the path that God has set before you, it may surprise you how different His plan is from yours. This Hustle with Heart journey was not part of my plan. It didn't fit with the clean and tidy pathway I had followed to build my business. This was not the logical plan that I had for my future. And even now, it feels illogical at times to be called to share my story to inspire others. I'm experiencing this even now as I edit this book. I wonder if what I share is of value. In my mind, I don't have a spectacular rise to success, but that's what God does to break my stronghold of pride and reminds my ego this isn't about me or what I've done on my own. Still, it can be alarming as our goals, the achievements we chase, even our definition of success begins to dim and shift. As we cling more tightly to the vine and our relationship with him grows and our minds are transformed by the word, our understanding of him also changes. I believe we experience a paradigm shift along our Hustle with Heart journey that radically changes how we do business and therefore our impact. Sometimes it's like I physically feel him pulling me his way while my previous definitions begin to lose their grip on me. Or is it my grip on them? I've experienced three critical results of this shift. Letting go of my need to define God on my terms accepting that God's time is different than mine, and understanding the difference between my desires and His. Let's unpack these together. Outside the box. God is not man that He should lie, or a son of man that He should change His mind. Numbers 23.19 Our need for logic and reason interferes with us putting God first. The first rule of business, remember? Even bigger, this need leads us to putting God in a box we think we can control. The creator of all we are and all we see cannot possibly operate within the boundaries we draw for him. He is bigger than we can fathom, 
And so is what he has in store for us. Some of us are driven by the need for logic and reason, while others are emotionally driven. In either case, when guided by our own tendencies, we are easily diverted and off track. While we were made in his image, our thoughts, whether driven by reason or emotion, are not as evolved as his. We are imperfect, hence our need for him. When we work without him first, we may find ourselves striving with all our effort for the highest level of achievement that can be seen, known, and lauded. Yet, we may overlook the opportunity to apply this kind of dedication to developing our relationship with Christ. Shifting to hustle with heart is all about shouting his sovereignty over our business. If you think about the heroes of the Bible, you'll see a pattern of seeking, listening, and obeying beyond human logic. Time after time, we see the saints of the Bible choosing his instruction over logic, even when, at first, they disagreed of him, with him, like Moses, or tried to run and hide to avoid obedience, like Jonah. In the end, I believe they chose God's instructions because they trusted that he was bigger than any box they could draw around him. Perhaps their trust came from the stories passed down from generation to generation, or they witnessed him moved and were convinced he would do it again. Other examples that come to mind, Abraham leaving his home to wander to a foreign place without a sense of where he was headed, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4. Noah building a massive boat, which was not put to use right away, Genesis 6 and 7. And Esther going before the king, risking beheading to save her people, Esther 5. Reason seekers long for control. The emotionally driven long for comfort. In either case, fear is at the center. Fear of not having control or influence over the outcome. But ultimately, God knows what's safe for each of us far better than we do. Putting God in a box and having him at our beck and call makes more sense than letting him have his way with the life he's given us. We want him to do what we want, when we want, how we want. But there isn't enough room for his supernatural movement in our logical boxes. If there were, what kind of testimony could we give about God's greatness? The deal is, when we choose him over logic, there will be good outcomes and not-so-good outcomes by our standards, yet all for his glory. Sometimes we're ridiculed and misunderstood when we choose to follow him. Sometimes people around us are angry because we're not doing what they think we should be doing. Sometimes they're disappointed because we're not living up to their idea of our potential. Sometimes they're jealous, especially if our radical obedience produces peace in us and that's what they desire. But we have to let the promises of God drown out the world's noise. As we know from Isaiah 43, 7, he has called us by name and we are his. And there's no box big enough to hold his love and power. Father time, Kronos versus Kairos. There is an appointed time for everything and there is a time for every event under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, New American Standard Bible. I am very organized like dry erase, 90-day calendars organized by color for each family member with spaces for each kid's schedule for lunch, medicine doses, after-school activities, and travel. I am the kind of person who likes to plan out one, two, three, even 10 years in the future. 
I set up my calendar so I know exactly what's happening ahead of time. And because I carefully plan, I expect things to turn out my way. Yet God is all about disrupting our good plans for his greater ones. And that has most certainly been a valuable lesson of my hustle with heart journey. We're often impatient when it comes to God moving in our business because he doesn't comply with our schedule. Our time is never the same as God's, and that leaves us a bit like Veruca Salt from Willy Wonka. I want it now. We want progress now. We want growth now. We want success now. We want crowds of people coming through the door now. When we don't achieve our goals by the deadlines we've set, we experience, quote, failure, unquote, and our timeline is disrupted. And that's because our time is not the same as God's. Our understanding of time is chronological. The word chronological comes from the ancient Greek word chronos, meaning sequential and specific. It's quantitative and measurable. In contrast, God's time is kairos, which in ancient Greek means the right time, an opportune moment for decision or action. Often the Bible uses words like in due time, which refers to God's kairos time. Our logic and reasoning go hand in hand with our view of chronological time. Life happens in a linear fashion within the construct of time that we understand and we think we can control. We mark the hours, days, weeks, months, and years with a standard calendar, the seconds, minutes, and hours with a clock. Where we get tripped up is our absolute desire that everything must be chronological with a defined timeline and expected outcomes. However, as God-centered entrepreneur, God calls us to work in his time. Think about the seasons for a farmer. This is, there is a time to plant and a time to harvest. No one can be harvesting all the time. The same is true for us. We have to allow the seeds we plant through our action to take root. We have to water and care for them and then wait on the right time, Kairos time, to reap our harvest. The problem is we don't want to wait, and when things don't occur within our time frame, we start to second-guess everything we've done and planned, sometimes even God's faithfulness. When we fret about how much we're able to get done or squeeze in, thinking that effectiveness equals doing more and cramming more in, we miss the point of biblical effectiveness. I used to thrive on filling every bit of white space on my calendar, and then I'd get frustrated that I had too much to do. When we tap into biblical effectiveness, we're able to embrace Kairos time, acknowledging God is the one in charge. It is then that we make room for his supernatural work to open doors that no one can shut, no matter how hard we try to shut them ourselves, and to shut doors that no one can open, no matter how hard we try to pry them open. We can see and experience what effectiveness looks like to him when we stop limiting him by overfilling every spot on our calendar and thinking only our actions can fix everything. We need to leave room for God to be God, to be still and know that he is God. Being still is hard for entrepreneurs. Kairos is also about symmetry. It's about all things working together at exactly the right time. Mentioned 86 times in the New Testament, Kairos is talked about as fullness of time, when God brings to harvest or brings to fruition his promises for us. Concepts like time being fleeting or designing our time originate in the word. Paul tells us to make the most of our time being wise in what we trade it for, Ephesians 5 verse 16. 
Dr. Stanley comments on Ecclesiastes 3.1, God sets an appropriate time for everything at the right time. Christ was born at the right time. He lifts us up and we cannot run ahead of his timing. His blessings are always worth the wait. The paradigm shift is in accepting Kairos time, remembering that our God, our Father of time, who knows every hair on our head and predestined us for good works, is always working on our behalf. His clock, calendar, and calculator are aligned with His goodness, and they are always perfect. For in due season we will reap if we don't lose heart. Galatians 6, verse 9. There is a harvest coming, and our business positions us to be His co-laborers for His eternal harvest. As we run this race of humanity, He will provide milestones for us to rejoice in, a flow of business, supernatural connections, and accelerated growth all in his good time. The desires of our heart. Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him and he will act. Psalm 37 verses four and five. Speaking of wanting what we want, when we want it, if we were to cherry pick this scripture for our own purposes, we may misinterpret it to mean that delighting ourselves in Jesus means he'll give us everything we want. We could also cherry-pick Matthew 6:33 or Matthew 7, verse 7 and 8. But in our AD life, Jesus changes everything. The way we see things, the way we encounter Him, the way we experience God moving in our business, the way we work, the way the goals we set, what also changes are our desires. The desires of our heart change for two reasons. First, because we desire him more than anything, he comes first. Second, the desires planted in our hearts are no longer ours, but those he places there or gives us. Those desires are aligned to his plans for us. Throughout scripture, we read of how God changes the hearts of kings. And Proverbs 21.1 says, The Lord controls rulers just as he determines the course of rivers. Knowing this, surely we can see that our hearts are subject to his command. He gives us desires, placing them in our hearts, causing us to desire his best for us, to seek out his best, and to listen for his instruction in attaining it. Then what follows is logical. We obey by committing our work to him and trusting him. For when we do, he will fulfill those desires he gave us. After all, the Latin root of desire is de sere, meaning of the Father. How perfect that the desires of our hearts are of our Father. For me, these three parts are foundational to putting him first, and I invite you to apply them to your hustle with heart journey too. Obedience to the first commandment, Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3, gives us new lenses through which we see everything, ourselves, our goals, our pursuit of success. It's like Ben Franklin's glasses in the movie National Treasure. As the lenses move, we see his purpose in bright technicolor hues that we couldn't see before. As we mature in our spiritual journey with him, the lenses change and our focus becomes clearer. When we are Holy Spirit-driven with godly ambition, our thoughts, words, and actions change, leading us to seek different results. It also means being okay if the Lord doesn't allow the results we envision or in the time frame we desire. It's saying, your will be done, and meaning it. 
The thought of making these changes may have you feeling overwhelmed and unsure of what to do next. You may be thinking, I don't know that I want to take the chance of doing it God's way because what if that means my business goes a little bit backwards? What if it means it doesn't turn out the way I thought? What if it means it takes longer to get where I want to go? I get it. I ask those what if questions too. The point is, it's not about the way we want things to turn out. It's not about our timeline and reaching a milestone. It's not about our business moving forward or backward by our definition. It's about his desire for us to build a business that honors him and serves his people, to glorify him and impact his kingdom. Making these changes may be unnerving to you and even disorienting to the people who know and love you. That's why we need grounding principles for the Hustle with Heart journey to anchor us and an understanding of what action looks like from God's perspective. We'll cover all of that in part two ahead. Well, friends, there you have it, a chapter three reading direct from the author. Gosh, by the time you listen to this, I hope you are jumping onto Amazon to place your order. And listen, super important, I want you guys to check out the Kindle version before you order the paperback because I want you to be primed and ready to write a review on Amazon the day that the paperback becomes available. Please share this message. There are so many who need this message in the world today, and I am honored to be God's vessel for it. Thanks for tuning into this episode and look forward to sharing more with you on the next one. Thanks for tuning into this week's episode of the Hustle with Heart podcast, helping entrepreneurs align results to God's truth. If you'd like to book me as a speaker for your organization, or you're looking for a coach to help you pursue success God's way, visit AaronHarrigan.com or connect with me on Facebook as the Hustle with Heart coach. Follow me on Instagram as Aaron Harrigan Entrepreneur and help us spread the word of Hustle with Heart by subscribing to this podcast, leaving us a review and sharing it with others.